0: On one half, we have fitness-based yoga, which is wonderful and yummy, and, um, you know, there is healing that happens there. Um, and you're looking at, you know, Ashtanga, Brikram, co-ed naked hot yoga, I mean, all of that kind of, you know, aerial yoga, all that kind of stuff, right? Then on the other side, you're looking at yoga therapy. And we kind of niche down and work with a, a particular group of people. And so you have um, yoga for cardiac rehab, yoga for Parkinson's, MS, cancer. Um, I happen to do PTSD. And so we are specifically trained to work with that group of people to really help them you know, reach their goals.
1: Hello, good day, greetings, wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining True Hope Cast, the official podcast of True Hope Canada. True Hope Canada is a mind and body based supplement company that is dedicated first and foremost to promoting brain and body health through non-invasive nutritional means. For more information about True Hope, you can visit truehopecanada.com. Today I welcome Anissa Hudak to the show. Now Anissa has been always intertwined with PTSD, trauma, and the military. For three years, Anissa volunteered at the Warrior Transition Battalion at Fort Riley, Kansas, providing yoga therapy, meditation, and other holistic treatments to the soldiers, family members, and staff. After seeing others struggle and having her own personal struggles with trauma and PTSD, Anissa was inspired to create the Trauma Healing Yoga Therapy Program. As a yoga therapist, Anissa guides others in the use of effective science-based yoga therapy and other holistic techniques for the management healing of symptoms relating to PTSD and trauma for people who want to control their PTSD and not allow it to control them. Today, Anissa and I are going to discuss trauma and PTSD healing using yoga therapy. Enjoy the show. Well, good morning, Anissa. Thank you so much for joining True Hope Cast. I appreciate your time today. How are you? What is going well?
0: I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. How are you today?
1: Doing pretty good, thank you. I've got a coffee. I'm open-minded. I've done some breath work to, you know, really help uh, my listening skills and my talking skills. So I feel like we're gonna we're gonna have a good show. Cool. Awesome. Let's do it. Well, let's do it. Well, why don't you just kick things off? Give us a little bit of an understanding about who you are and what it is that you do.
0: Well, uh, I am a yoga therapist, and I work with folks who have PTSD, trauma-related issues, and TBIs, traumatic brain injuries.
1: Very cool. Very specific. How did how did you how did you get into that? Like, I, I mean, I've certainly heard of a yoga teacher, yoga practitioner, yoga students, but yoga therapist is new to me so maybe you could describe how you got into that and you know what is a yoga therapist a bit more would be interesting
0: well um I don't think anybody wakes up one day and says you know I want to do this you know Um, life is a journey and I um I started taking teacher training classes for yoga and I took my very first one I had no aspirations of ever teaching and I was about, I don't know, halfway through like the last day. And I realized that for me, it wasn't teaching yoga. Yoga to me was this amazing gift and that I wasn't going out there to teach. I was actually going to go and just share this gift. And within, um, I would say a month of finishing this class, I had two job opportunities and I was like, well, maybe the universe is trying to tell me something. And so I started actually teaching as a yoga instructor, and I started then taking more and more classes, and I took classes through YogaFit, which is a a worldwide company. Uh, They teach yoga trainers, and they started teaching classes called Warriors, and it was for PTSD, uh, active and retired military. And at the time, my husband was active duty. We lived right outside of Fort Riley, Kansas. Huge community, um, active duty, retired military personnel. And I said, you know, I should really like take these classes and bring them back to my community so I could be of service. And I was about, I don't know, halfway through like the first day. And I realized that the person I needed to work on first was right here. My own PTSD had kind of crawled into the nooks and crannies of my life and was kind of holding me back in some areas. And so it became this journey of really self-recovery and self-discovery. And along the way, I got to work with uh, veterans, active duty, and, and retired. And, um, and then I just, I kind of settled on working with women who were like me. I am a two-time sexual assault uh, rape survivor. And I just love working with women who are like me. And so that's what I do. And that's kind of how I got here. It wasn't a plan. It just kind of unfolded this way.
1: Well, that's really cool. I I, I have a question in regards to like, I'm so I'm familiar with yoga. I do it sometimes. And, um, but how would you go about creating a program or a routine for somebody who's got PTSD using obviously the, the very vast, um, different types of yoga that are out there like how would you begin to like literally like write that down and how that would go would that be different for every individual or would you like have a program for people who have suffered from ptsd i'm just trying to figure out how that how that looks
0: well there's there's two different aspects of it the first one is physical um does this person have any physical um i don't want to say limitations but maybe challenges that prevent them from doing maybe certain poses? Or how do I need to create um, a way for them to access the pose? You know, we always want to make the pose fit the body, never the body fit the pose. And so first there's the physical aspect of it. And then there is the psychological aspect of it. Um, There are certain poses that are very open. (laughs) And sometimes people with PTSD can't be that open. That's just too much for them. And so from a psychological standpoint, you know, what are they going to be able to do? And then the third aspect is we know that there are certain muscle groups that hang on to more trauma and emotion than others. And we really want to get into those and, and get them to exhaustion. So how do we then fold that into the mix? So, yeah, it's not like we're just going to jump up there and do a bunch of asana. It's there is a lot of thought that goes into this.
1: That's really interesting. And just when you're talking about, obviously, there's many, many different positions within yoga, many, many different styles. And, yeah, like just as you're talking about, like getting there's so many vulnerable positions that you could get into that um it would be very very difficult for, for for certain individuals who have gone through something potentially physical even emotional so that makes total i didn't never made that connection before so i really appreciate appreciate that because that's very very interesting and um i suppose it probably goes outside of yoga you know like people like close their bodies up and that does so much to their like muscles and their tension and They do that day to day, whether they're sitting, whether they're walking, whether they're like, you know, watching the TV, their body's probably going to subconsciously attempt to protect them in these, like in these manners. So it's very interesting that you could probably, as I know, so much experience, see somebody who's coming to work with you and you could probably physically see how they're holding their body. You can probably recognize like how much work or where to kind of begin. That's That's such a fantastic, fascinating idea. So that's awesome I really appreciate I really appreciate you explaining that to me and that, that you're that you're out there doing this because it seems to be something that's very very valuable and very important can we just take a step back for a second can you explain to me your your definition or your experience of what PTSD is I think most people could probably you know come up with a couple of sentences and like what that is but like because you've got this wonderful um, yoga background and you're using your experience to help people with their physical and emotional bodies working through something so severe as as PTSD, can you kind of maybe explain to people maybe what it is, uh, maybe like a standard definition and maybe kind of give your take on it?
0: Sure. Well, I think that most people think that uh, PTSD is a mental health issue. And that's how the symptoms show up. However, PTSD starts in the body and this is uh, so i'm going to get my science nerd hat on here um we have you know they say that we have all these different types of brains you know right brain left brain and um you know frontal brain you know the frontal lobe and you know all of this different stuff for our purposes i'm going to talk about the upper echelon brain and the reptile brain reptilian brain so the upper echelon brain is where you do all of your higher thinking, you know, your math equations, your grocery list. Um, This is also where the emotional regulation happens. And then in your reptilian brain, the reptilian brain takes care of stuff you don't think about. So such as blinking, breathing, notifying you to go to the bathroom. This is also where your fight, flight, freeze, and fawn mechanism takes place. So let's say we are in a traumatic experience and the body, the brain immediately shifts from the upper echelon brain to the fight, flight, freeze mechanism in the reptilian brain. Now, let me ask you something. Have you ever seen two dogs fight?
1: Yes. Well, I presume presume it's fighting.
0: (laughs) Okay. And afterwards, as they're walking away from one another, what do you what have you seen them do?
1: Um, in my experience, you know, they might have a little look back at the other dog, but very, very quickly they, you know, kind of get back to, you know, on a walk, sniffing the floor and getting back to business.
0: Have you ever noticed them shaking?
1: No, I've seen that with deers, though. That's very, very interesting. Yeah, like that that, that like kind of reconfiguration or, you know, yeah, that's interesting.
0: So that shaking mechanism is what they do in order to reset their central nervous system and to go back up into their upper echelon brain, which makes them back into their, you know, lovable furry puppy or, you know, the wonderful deer that we see grazing in the grass, right? Okay. Well, I hate to burst everybody's bubble, but we are animals and we have to shake in order to reset our central nervous systems to take us out of that reptilian brain and back up into the upper echelon brain. Now, as humans, we hate to see other people shaking. And so what do we do? Oh, come here, let me hold you. Or, you know, EMS might strap them to a board or whatever. That shaking mechanism is paramount. We have to do that shaking mechanism in order to reset our central nervous systems. Now, what happens if we don't? Well, then we're stuck in the reptilian brain we lack emotional regulation and control. And we we then set into PTSD, which then shows up as depression, anxiety, hypervigilance, and all of the things that are associated with PTSD. Those are symptoms
1: interesting question in regards to that regulation and that's that shift from you know sympathetic to parasympathetic that we see in, in dogs and we see in in deer and you know many other different animals is that like a a, a subconscious thing that happens or is it or is that you know i mean obviously the dog brain and our brain are very very different But i'm just trying to think about the mechanism with, within us you know when we're you know in a, in a very much a fight or flight situation and we need to like recalibrate do we need to think about doing the shaking or Or is it supposed to happen normally? Um, Are we just like lost that ability to recalibrate?
0: Yes, that is exactly what happens. It is nothing that you think about. I mean, most people are like, oh my gosh, I'm shaking. You know, Um, they don't even think that about doing so. It's not anything that we're taught to do, it is something that the body instinctively does on its own.
1: That's super cool. It just makes me think about how I can help my three-year-old recalibrate his temper tantrums and you know get back to normalcy because my initial reaction is to hold space for him and maybe hug him and bring him closer. But it sounds like he needs to um, have some space to shake things out a little bit and he's quite smart. So I might actually put some of those deer videos and exp- explain what's going on there. That's. Do you have any tips for kids like in regards to that? Benadryl. Benadryl. <laughs> awesome.
0: I have teenage boys. I wish I could just give them Benadryl now. No. Um, you know, every child is different, like trauma. I mean, everyone's trauma is so individual. Maybe your child needs more space. Maybe your child needs to be cuddled. Mm -hmm. Everybody is so different. And it's really about finding what works for them in that moment. And just remember, we're always changing, we're always evolving, we're always growing. And so what might work for your now three-year-old may not work for him in six months.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I think obviously taking, you have to take into consideration the, the individual and the circumstances, and I think it's important to be able to assist them to help them transition from those stressful moments into those uh, more relaxed moments because you know we're obviously developing that part of the physical body going through you know becoming a, a bigger kid and then becoming a teenager and then becoming an adult it's a very important part of the developmental process and if it's never really maybe cultivated or like worked on maybe we, we see issues in that regulation in into adulthood
0: Exactly. I would have to say as a parent, that was one of the things that was most frustrating to me because once I figured out, like, I was like, I finally got it down. I know what they need. It would change, (laughs) you know, and so that was really frustrating for me as a parent. And, you know, as a um, survivor myself, again, because something was working for me in that moment and maybe for uh, a year or a couple of months or whatever. And then all of a sudden I felt like Jesus isn't working anymore. Well, yeah, because I'm a different person right now. And so a lot of people say, well, I tried that and it didn't work for me. Okay. That's okay. Try it again mm-hmm. because you're a different person. Now you're at a different place in your recovery.
1: Yeah. That's very, very interesting to t- try those different technique techniques at different times, because yeah, obviously our brain and our body are evolving all of the time so yeah that one thing might you might just not be ready for that particular technique right exactly How, are there like um does ptsd commonly manifest in similar ways for different or is it wildly wildly different or like you know if you see somebody who's coming in and explaining about their ptsd and obviously we look there there are certain symptoms as well and are, are there like commonalities there or is it just like all over the place
0: All over the place. There's probably well over 75 different symptoms, if not more. And again, your trauma is as individual as your thumbprint. And it's this huge umbrella of symptoms. And so it can be really hard to actually diagnose PTSD because you have all of these off-the-wall things. There's physical going on. There's psychological going on. Um, you know, we we know that there is a lack of emotional regulation because we know that that is in the upper echelon brain and you don't really have access to it. So that is probably one mainstay. However, everything else, it's you know, And it really takes somebody to look at the entire person. You know, why is my stomach upset? Um, Why do I have this happening? Why can't I hear my TV? Oh, and I'm depressed. And, you know, you have to look at all of the symptoms to really get a sense of what is happening to this person. Because, again, PTSD is not only going to show up as mental health issues, but there are a ton of physical issues as well. And so it really takes somebody looking at everything to say, okay, I see what's happening here.
1: As a friend or even a partner, somebody who's not like trained in PTSD therapy management or whatever that might mean, and we ha- we have somebody who, who has PTSD, what can we do as um, just as a friend or as a partner to support that individual? Because it can be it can be complicated. And for for example, if I, if I took to Google with that question, I'd be just going down a rabbit hole. There'd be so many, so many options that we might be, but is there, is there something that's a little bit more, more simple and a little bit more um, intuitive in regards to like how, how I could potentially support that individual. I'm not looking to like cure them with my cuddles, but uh, you know, you know what I mean? Like, how can I help support that individual to, you know, um, to get them towards a better place perhaps?
0: Well, there's a couple of different things, and I guess it's all dependent on um, how um, invested you are in the relationship. Um, One of the things I would do is I would keep a notebook. And I would, you know, okay, Tuesday at 445, this triggered you. And this is how you reacted. And keep a book. Okay. Um, Getting a therapist yourself. Someone who specializes in PTSD and saying, okay, you know, um, I'm living with this person. I'm in, you know, engaged to this, whatever. Um, and this is what's happening. And I am trying to figure out, you know, one, how to keep myself safe and how to help them. Um, you know, it really depends on how raw that person is. Are they open to getting help? Are they ready to get help? A lot of times they have to h- literally hit rock bottom and lose everything in their life and everyone in order to reach out and ask for help.
1: Yeah, that's such a huge part because you can, there can it, it can be so raw and so new and just like you know so triggering in that in very frequently just after the incident perhaps and it's you want to offer support and you want to recommend going to see somebody or to recommend this and that and trying your best to like fix or support whatever that might mean and it just might not just be the time for that individual
0: exactly it might just really be about you making them a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and sitting with them and listening or sitting with them and not talking just being with them Mm -hmm. maybe just holding their hand You know, it it really depends on where the person is at. Um, If they're a little farther along, you know, um, it it really depends. Are they they hurting you? Are they physically hurting you? Well, then you shouldn't stay. I mean, that goes without saying. Mm -hmm. Are they verbally abusive? Are they emotionally abusive? Well, that's because they don't have any emotional control right now. And they're just lashing out. Again, you getting a therapist will help you and then trying to get them to the help that they need.
1: Yeah. So in some cases it's, it's about like making sure that you're safe and you're taking care of in, in that right environment because you, you know, you obviously want to maybe support this loved one, but if it's going to be, you know, it's going to be bad for your lit- literal physical and mental health, then, you know, certainly getting support and you're getting yourself out of the situation could be, could be a potential solution going forward it might not seem the right thing to do in, in the in the in the moment but it sounds like it could be very beneficial and the, and the first two points you made I thought were great in regards to just being there and being open and being supportive and you know and making a journal writing notes down that's certainly becoming part of the therapeutic process for that individual and I think that just that just that connectivity and just knowing that somebody really cares about you enough to do that and take the time and take the energy is like certainly part of the process and also becoming more educated with a therapist about like what you might be dealing with personally and what that person might be dealing with just to educate yourself a little bit further to support along the way
0: you know taking the time to write um those notes when that person is ready to go to a therapist you know you can you can give them that book um that's breadcrumbs for the therapist that is a, a huge jumping off point for them and so um that would be incredibly helpful you know if you have the presence of mind to do it
1: how does movement support traumatic healing like how can that how can that process begin because i think that i i i would think i would i mean i think about the fact that how exercise completely changes my mental state and i and i I really get the benefit from that so if i do have the ability to go out and like exercise and move my body it's going to change my whole physical and emotional being but if somebody um was talking about how they've got ptsd for whatever reason i would personally wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily and probably a lot of other people wouldn't necessarily think oh you know like moving your body in very deliberate ways and working with a um, a yoga therapist could be very, very beneficial for you. So how, how can you explain to me a little bit more about how the actual movement of your body in very specific ways can really begin to help with that traumatic healing piece?
0: Well, there's a couple of different ways yoga therapy specifically helps with healing PTSD. Um, the first thing is with PTSD, you're either living in the future you have anxiety, you're worried about everything that could possibly happen, or you're living in the past and you're reliving this moment and you have depression. Well, with yoga, when you're on your mat, you have to be present. If you are not right there, you're going to fall over. And that makes you be present, which is great for, I think, all of us, because a lot of us aren't present a whole lot of the time. However, when you have PTSD, it's, you know, infinitely worse. So that's one of the things. It makes you be present. The other thing is we can actually mimic that shaking mechanism to help reset the central nervous system. By working certain muscles to exhaustion, they shake and tremor. Have you ever been to the gym and um, all of a sudden, maybe your your thighs are quivering? Yeah. Or your arms, you, you did arm day and, and your arms are quivering. Yeah, yeah. that is um, a shaking mechanism that is helping to reset the central nervous system. Interesting. Not so much arms, um, but in other muscle groups. And so we can do that and help people release some of the baggage that they're carrying. And so they feel lighter, they have more bandwidth, and we are recalibrating that central nervous system.
1: Do you think somebody has to go through like a significant event to have PTSD or do you think that there are a lot of people who aren't diagnosed with PTSD that might have like some sort of like low grade PTSD is, if that makes sense does that make sense
0: It makes sense um so what you're talking about is like functioning PTSD and like I'm a function I'm I'm a person with functioning functionally functioning PTSD <laughs> There.
1: Um,
0: I probably am in my upper echelon brain 95 plus percent of the time. And then there are times when I am not. Um, but I'm, I'm high functioning. Um, the other answer to your question. Yes, it could be one dramatic experience, but it also could be years worth of experiences. So if you have maybe a child that's being molested by um a parent or, or something and that happens over time um that can also lead to PTSD it's not just one experience it's years of this type of experience
1: and do you think that that type of example like whether that you can inherit that PTSD
0: can you Life. inherit PTSD? Um, you inherit it, yes, um, because it, it changes um, DNA. And it can be passed from generation to generation. I mean, we're seeing that now when we've got Vietnam veterans here in America.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're, you know, they came home with PTSD, a lot of them, unfortunately, and passed that on to their kids.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because you'd think that maybe that wouldn't be possible, but it totally makes a lot of sense to me in regards to that, because that, you know, that individual is living with something so significant and, you know, as a child, you know, we certainly inherit our, our inherit our genetics, but we also inherit the behaviors that we're witness to and the and the energy I suppose that you could you could call it within the household and especially from like you know a father figure for from a parental figure in general having that on a daily basis it would certainly begin to change your brain in a particular way that would lead towards you know more having having more of a ptsd experience even though you may not have directly experienced that traumatic event itself
0: and we call that secondary ptsd when you are experiencing PTSD from someone else's PTSD, mm-hmm. so, yeah, we sense. call that secondary.
1: Yeah, that makes sense, and that's uh, that's must be such a tricky thing to to, to deal with because you would assume, oh no, that person had the experience, they've got the issue, and then you know we've got these kids involved, perhaps, and you might not think that that's going to affect them, but like, is that like a is, is that is that secondary PTSD? is that a big talking point of people talking more about that and, and, and thinking about the other individuals involved?
0: Is anybody really talking about PTSD?
1: Well, no. Yeah. Okay. Good point. <laughs> no, that's a very, very good point. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cause I just, I just think that on some level, whether you want to talk about like the severity of the situation, going from like one one extreme to, to the other, um, I think in some level, like everyone's experiencing something, whether that's inherited from, from parents, it could be a global event. It could be, it it could just be, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just a, obviously a wildly big topic. And it's unfortunate that we don't really like to tackle those tough topics um, because they, you know, they're complex and they're difficult and they, the, and the healing process involves becoming quite um, open and vulnerable. Is that a fair comment?
0: I would say. Yeah.
1: Okay, interesting. Is there a particular difference between what you do the yoga therapy and like, in like yoga, yoga, like the what I would, you know, I don't want to call it traditional yoga, because, you know, I don't know if yoga therapy is the traditional yoga or not. But is there a difference between like, you know, me going to a yoga studio and doing like a, you know, an hour session? And then obviously, what you do? What are the big differences there?
0: So if we look at yoga, like a big pie, and we slice the pie in half, on one half, we have fitness-based yoga, which is wonderful and yummy, and, um, you know, there is healing that happens there. Um, and you're looking at, you know, Ashtanga, Brikram, co-ed naked hot yoga, I mean, all of that kind of, you know, aerial yoga, all that kind of stuff, right? Then on the other side, you're looking at yoga therapy. And we kind of niche down and work with a, a particular group of people. And so you have um, yoga for cardiac rehab, yoga for Parkinson's, MS, cancer, Um, I happen to do PTSD. And so we are specifically trained to work with that group of people to really help them, you know, reach their goals.
1: Interesting. So you're obviously using the the condition, the individual, because it's going to be expressed in so many different ways and everyone's traumatic experience and that expression is going to be so wildly different and then using this like really wonderful tool of yoga of moving moving the body in a very deliberate way and being very you know, bringing consciousness back to the body because it's one of the best things I find about yoga it's, it's like you know I'm sitting there with my body and I can become conscious of like where I ha- might have aches and pains and and stress and, and those things and it starts allowing me to become more conscious and aware and internalizing my like physical body a lot more and you you, you touched on it earlier that we don't really do that as a culture at all. You know, we're not—we don't really walk around most of the day, 100% conscious of like what's going on because we have this big part of our brain that does so much for us that we don't have to think about it. So that doesn't necessarily work for us when we really need to be focusing on our mind and our body at the same time because there's very, very valuable messages that you get from both of them. What's the type of um, research and science like supporting? that type like PTSD therapy for, um, sorry, uh, yoga therapy for PTSD, yoga therapy for cancer, yoga therapy for, for Parkinson's. Is there like, is there a lot of like funding and research going on into the, the actual, like what's happening in the brain and body and the results people are seeing from it?
0: Yes. Um, so there's a governing body over us. Um, yoga therapists it's called um, IAYT, International Association of Yoga Therapists. You can go to their website, iayt.com. And there's a couple of different things that are there. One, you can find someone in potentially your local area or someone online who could help you with what your needs are. Um, but also, too, there is research there, blogs there. We have, um, you know, conferences. Yes, there is um, research going on. Um, Yes, 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 to everything you said.
1: (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, like meditation, yoga, and some of these quite wonderful practices that are literally ancient, um, are getting so much more are getting a lot more highlighted within the medical community because we're seeing such wonderful results. We're seeing kind of new generations of practitioners that are maybe a little bit more like whole body, whole mind orientated. So it's quite wonderful. That's even an option. And yeah, I was going to ask you about, you know, if I, if I know somebody has got PTSD and I I really believe that they would very much benefit by becoming more um, focused and conscious on their physical body and how that energy is manifesting for them, there's a there's a lot of people online if you don't have someone in your local area
0: yes i'm completely online
1: oh that's amazing so that's that's very cool so how does what does this, what does a session look like what does a first introductory session look like with you
0: um well after we chat and you know we make sure that um, this is a good fit then it's to the mats and it's um, slow going at first because i don't want to totally wipe somebody out um i you know i need to take in their their physical level and um you know again their physical needs and emotional needs Mm -hmm. and it's uh, about an a private session is an hour long and i take them through the entire um you know whatever it is that they need session
1: do you ever do it with like couples, like one person who's experienced PTSD and the other person who wants to just be there as a supportive role and is like there through in the process?
0: Oh, absolutely. I wholeheartedly love that. That's cool. Um, Because yeah, I mean, having somebody there just to have the support, that's wonderful.
1: Yeah, I can only see that being as a positive thing to be able to you know reaching out to someone like you as a therapist to you know ask for support you know you wanting to heal you wanting to you know get better and having someone that you you know love and care about with you along the journey is just like wonderful and you know i'm i I don't know but are there like communities out there where you can you know you do this with i don't know like 10 15 20 different people like even online is, is that is that like is that a are there communities like that out there
0: Not that I know of, maybe there are. I'm in the process of actually creating a community for women who have been sexually assaulted. And um, it'll be ready between now and the end of the year. And it's going to include um, live sessions, recorded sessions, you know, some meditations, obviously, and then an educational component. Because really understanding what's happening to your body is so incredibly important. And then the community. I mean, when you look at other self-help groups like AA or NA or even Weight Watchers, the community aspect is so huge. Mm-hmm. And I felt like there wasn't a community for women who are like me. And so I am hellbent, bound and determined to create one for us. And, you know, but there are, I know, lots of communities for like women with breast cancer or um you know, MS and Parkinson's. So um depending on what your need is, you might find a community out there.
1: Well that's just amazing. I'm so glad that you're putting something like that together. It's going to help so many people. And yeah, maybe hopefully you get you, you inspire other other practitioners to, to do that. Because I, I, I totally agree in regards to the the community aspect and you know doing things together and you know creating groups where people can support each other and go through it alone because i think one of the biggest things when it comes to depression or ptsd or anxiety people like isolate you know they go they they like revert back into like a little hobbit hole and they don't want to engage with the rest of the world and they get trapped in their own thoughts feelings and behaviors and that can become quite a quite a, a negative thing i suppose but stepping out and working with other people who have been through something similar probably not identical um but having that group compassion is surely a huge step when it comes to you know go taking further steps towards the the road to healing exactly awesome well that's very cool when that comes out where would people be able to go like what's your website Do you have social media where can people go to learn more about what you do and then make sure that they're aware that that course will be you know up and going
0: Traumahealingyoga.com. And I'm kind of like a bad penny all over social media. If you look up Trauma Healing Yoga, you'll pretty much find me. Great. So, um, you know, Instagram, Facebook. I am not groovy. I'm not on TikTok and I'm not on Snapchat. I, I am not that groovy. Um, but, you know, all of the mainstays, Pinterest, LinkedIn, uh, you can find me, TraumaHealingYoga.com.
1: I think it makes you very cool that you're not on those things. so I, oh, I don't, thank uh, you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. I don't understand those things either. So, you know, that's great. Well, that was awesome. I really appreciate you opening my eyes up to this whole different type of therapy that I didn't know existed and explaining it more to me. And I I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that with us today. So thank you so much.
0: Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: Of course. Well, I will make sure that all your, your website and your social media and everything is connected in the show notes so people can get hold of you. But that's awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks. Have a great day.
1: Beautiful. Yeah, well, that is it for this episode of True Hope Cast, the official podcast of True Hope Canada. I'll make sure everything is in the show notes so you can get connected. Um, leave us a review on iTunes and a little star on um, on Spotify. But that's it for this week. We'll see you next week. Thank you